Hi, I'm Dr. Annaline Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition, we're going to focus on why communication counts, specifically exploring it in the context of a recent case. So Kristen, great topic today. And I was hoping you could specifically address for us how communication factors into how we respond to a patient complaint. Can, for example, the tone of the response impact on the resolution of the issue? Thanks, Annalene. Many people listening may have already listened to your previous podcast. You received a complaint. Where did I go wrong? in which you detailed the process of how to best respond to a complaint, such as trying to look at the things objectively, to review the details surrounding the issue or appointment, and trying to remove the unhelpful feelings, such as negative or defensive emotions, that generally arise as a consequence of receiving a complaint. You also offered some helpful advice on compiling a complaints folder to ensure that you can assess any patterns in the complaints received to enable us to grow and evolve in how we communicate with our patients and grow as practitioners. Yeah, Chris, I did, but it's so much more than that really, isn't it? It is. And today I wanted to talk about another aspect of dealing with the complaints process and the intricacies of how to respond appropriately to a patient once you have received the complaint, specifically the tone and overall vibe of your response. I wanted to consider why this actually matters under four headings. Does it matter to the patient? Does it matter to staff? Does it matter to a critical third party, such as the dental board, fair trading facilitator or solicitor? And does it matter to you? Great, Kristen. So to kick us off then, does it matter to the patient? In short, Annaline, yes, it does. As we've previously explored through Risk Bites and also discussed regularly in some of our webinars, every person has the right to be heard. If your patient has taken the time to bring a concern to you, they obviously genuinely feel they have a vital issue, whether you believe so or not, that they would like addressed. No one appreciates having their concerns belittled or ignored, and doing so is a surefire way of issues escalating rather than moving towards being resolved. Many patients want the opportunity to be heard and perhaps are craving further clarification and information as to what has happened and why things have progressed as they did. As you are all aware, the time we have with our patients can be limited, with patients often suffering an overload of information or even difficulty absorbing information if they are in pain, anxious or sleep deprived. Replying to a patient with an I told you so response without acknowledging the difficulties they have obviously experienced and your concern for their well-being is not a helpful way to proceed to a positive outcome. In any response, it's always helpful to acknowledge the patient's worry, offering genuine concern for the issue and putting a positive view that now you've been made aware of this, you'll be able to engage and work through the process together. A brief summary of what happened, as you recall it, being careful not to sound rude and condescending, which is an easy trap to fall into when listing facts or telling it like it is. And then a suggestion of how you feel you could move forward that is fair to everyone when considering these facts. This process of showing genuine concern for your patient and taking the time to go through the matter can sometimes be all that is required. 
I was recently working with a member who had experienced this exact scenario. A patient had attended for an emergency appointment and though the clinical situation was explained at the time, the patient was unable to recall the particulars and this resulted in a complaint regarding the temporary restoration that had been provided. The member engaged with the patient, taking time to show his concern and explaining his decision-making process with the well-being of the patient, his number one concern. He very kindly offered a refund to allow the patient the opportunity to have his treatment redone should he wish. This resulted in a response from the patient thanking the practitioner for, and politely declining, the offered refund, as this was not his main concern. However, acknowledging that what he really appreciated was the time the practitioner had taken to provide a genuine response and not fobbing off his concerns. If the practitioner had provided a response belittling the patient and saying, I told you all this at the time, get with the program, the outcome would likely have progressed in very different and much more stressful direction. I agree and that was a great result, Kristen. We can all quickly see then why an appropriate response would be important to a patient and I think we all know how it feels not to be heard. So how then can the team be affected? As many people listening will be aware, handling patient complaints can be quite stressful and that of course flows on to those around us. We are generally such small and close-knit teams in the dental environment and what is affecting one of us really has the potential to affect the whole practice. I know when I can see that a colleague of mine is stressed and anxious, it can be quite upsetting and it is easy to absorb other people's stress and worry. Also, when the practice is dealing with a patient with a complaint, it is not just the practitioner that is dealing with the situation. It is also the front office staff, reception or practice manager. It is important to remember that if we are dealing with an unhappy patient, those frontline staff are often the ones who are on the receiving end of much of that dissatisfaction. And unfortunately, I understand that is often the case that they receive the brunt of that frustration even worse than what we do as clinicians. We need to be mindful that how you are handling the situation and the repercussions of whether the situation is escalating or de-escalating can affect everyone on the team. Everyone needs to feel supported in dealing with these difficult situations so education and a complaints handling protocol can be really helpful. Kristen, the case you outlined showed a great outcome as a consequence of an appropriate response to the patient. Had the response not been appropriate and the matter escalated to a critical third party such as the dental board or a lawyer, would this communication aspect have mattered much to them? Yes, Annaline, it would have, very much so. Let us revisit the case and assume that the practitioner had instead provided his response along with a good portion of eye roll and a tough luck attitude. The patient is now thoroughly incensed. Not only was he genuinely concerned about the filling he'd been provided and ignored, he has been made to feel silly about his concerns to boot. An angry Google search reveals two appealing options. A nasty online review outlining his exact opinion of the practitioner and their attitude towards his patient's concerns, which he follows through on with great zeal and flair. The next option is to proceed to escalate his unacceptable filling to the Health Consumer Complaints Commission. Unfortunately, the HCCC reviews the patient's complaint and feels that as this is a clinical issue, which is beyond them, it requires them to refer the complaint on and now we find ourselves in receipt of a notification from the Dental Council, not where any practitioner wants to find themselves. 
The notification from Dental Council requests a response outlining how the practitioner treated the patient and also how the practitioner addressed his patient's concerns. The practitioner is now left explaining their treatment to colleagues whose job it is to judge the appropriateness of that said treatment, as well as viewing the appropriateness of, among other things, their records, their consent and communication, billing, as well as their overall professional conduct in providing that treatment and duty of care to their patient. A high-handed response to his patient's communication that is not engaged with the patient or attempted to address their concerns is unlikely to be seen in a favourable light. I'm sure you can imagine the added anxiety that comes with this scrutiny, even if the practitioner has conducted themselves in line with expectations and standards. As you know, we as health practitioners are held to a high standard when it comes to engaging with our patients and what is expected of us and our conduct with that position of care, knowledge and responsibility is really central to our values. Bringing us then to your final point, Kristen, does it matter to us as individuals whether we communicate well or poorly? This is where we look at ourselves and consider how do we want to perceive and conduct ourselves in our profession of caring for our patients? As we've touched on in previous podcasts, the complaints process can be a hard slog to deal with and the defensive emotions that can come with it can really rock us and our sense of self. We did not get into this profession to hurt or make our patients unhappy and having it brought to our attention that we might not be perceived as we thought can be really hurtful. This is the time for us to dig deep and to try and reframe the negatives in a positive way on how we can improve and how we can respond with care and grace. Obviously, every complaint that you receive won't necessarily have a basis in fact or be valid. However, how we respond in these situations can be a real test of character and you can hold your head up high that you've behaved in a way that is testament to you as a professional and to the profession as a whole. Research has also shown us that apologising has many benefits to our relationships with patients and has been shown to decrease anger and blame and positively impact on the trust between patient and practitioner. Mike discusses apologies further in the podcast, Open Disclosure, Part 2, The Role of the Apology. If you are not completely sold on apologising as an appropriate communicative step in the complaints process, in The Power of Apology, Beverly Engel states that an apology is crucial to our mental and even physical health. She goes on to say how research shows that receiving an apology has a noticeable positive physical effect on the body. An apology actually affects the bodily functions of a person receiving it. Blood pressure decreases, heart rate slows, breathing becomes steadier. She also highlights that apologising is good for the health and well-being of the person who gives the apology too. And so it's definitely some food for thought there. There certainly is. Thank you, Kristen. And thank you for that really relevant content. And we'll be sure to include the links to that research you were just outlining in the episode notes. And thank you all for listening. We hope that this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.